0: To Jason as well. Fine podcast audience, welcome to Three Peas in a Pod episode 209. Oh, we make it in Wow, hand, you paused there in the I hand had to think about how many fingers to put up. <laughs> okay. okay. And I don't know why I
1: decided. <laughs> I don't
0: know. It was a spur of the moment thing. Jason, oh, I like it.
1: I had to, to find remember. new things. To do, do, I do I still have 10 fingers? <laughs> I, I
0: didn't know. It was just a second where I doubted. So That's true. So, That's all right. This week, uh, we have us another clarifying question that someone would like us to, because we are not very clear.
1: We're not clear. clear.
0: We are not clear. I I, I agree. We are, yes. (laughs) So, all right. I'm just going to read. Oh, I I do need to address one thing before we get to the question. The person who asked this question uh, did not leave their name, but they said, I'd rather remain anonymous, though my email likely tells you who I am. Um, Ooh. I will just go ahead and tell you, we don't get an email with these. Mm-mm. So I don't know where that came from. So if you think that we are trying to figure out who you are, we can't.
1: Yes. God. I do not know who you we are. We don't know who this is. I, I, I I'll will t- speculate right now. I will tell you off camera, we do guess. Oh, oh guess. yes. Oh, yeah. We guess, but not because we know what your email is. We, because we guess. It. I go, who, guess. who might have sent this to us? <laughs> yes.
0: And I will say, we... we we haven't been very successful, but we, a couple of times. A couple, a of, couple times of times, times We were, later were right. oh, yeah, yeah, out later. Oh, yeah, a couple times later
1: that I was right. That's, that's right. right. And we liked being right. I don't yeah. know that I was right. One of y'all was probably right, and I, I took was, credit. I don't know. No, that's all fine. <laughs> so I, So
0: then put, you, put your mind at ease. You are anonymous. I do not know who wrote this question. Correct. Although
1: you wrote a big old question. It is a big question. It's one of the Clint's. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: Throw it out there. Throw it <laughs> out on the, the I don't think so. One of the Clint's. Question. In relation, and this goes back to another episode where we talked about this topic, in relation to giving to the poor, I definitely believe we should help the poor, but who are the poor?
1: (laughs) I'm sorry for laughing. I'm sorry. Okay. It's apologizing. You should carry your W-2 around with you. All right. Who are the poor?
0: For instance... A Christian family member was continually irresponsible with money, and they believed and said that God would provide. However, the provision has often been through his parents, who were not in a position to be supporting a second family. That has left the parents in a hard financial position in their old age. Other scenarios include addicts who use their resources for drugs and then want help from family and others for necessities. Where is the balance in enabling bad choices and helping? Disabled or unable to support oneself, I definitely understand. Disaster and sickness, I understand. Irresponsible behavior as a lifestyle, while having others carry you, is hard to grasp. Very astute. And, and
2: I think a pretty common thing. I've, I've, me I've too. Yes. I have heard this question at yep. least. Uh from from almost
1: any time we talk about helping the poor. Yes. Yeah, I think That's it's been impre- my experience. Me too. A pretty common thing. Which means people out. either people really want to know, which I'm gonna I'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt and say they really want to know yeah, the yeah. answer. I think there are or, people that really want to know. Like we had to set off camera, you know, the, the guy who wanted to know who his neighbor was, mm-hmm. the Bible says seeking to justify himself. That's right. He right. wanted to know who his neighbor yes. was. So we're gonna assume that this person's not trying to justify themselves. They mm-hmm. really want to know. Really Boundaries are super important when it comes to family members and people that you know their stories. And my experience has been, it's not so much that the person uh, doesn't know they probably shouldn't give the money to the poor. They just don't want to draw draw a boundary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you have a addict in your life, almost everywhere there's an addict, there is a codependent person somewhere nearby. Yes. That continues to support them in their addiction. That's true, and that's wrong, and that is not helping the poor. But if I'm talking about the person on the street that I don't really know, I'm not having a conversation with, and they look like to me in the moment, Mm -hmm. they might, you know, that's what I imagine a drunk looks like, or that's what Mm -hmm. I imagine a, a drug addict looks like, or I can't imagine in the great country like ours that there's a way that a person like that could be on the street, I'm going to say at that point, you don't have enough information to determine that they don't need your help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's only a limited amount of help you're probably going to give them in the little bit of time you're with them. And yeah. if if you're willing to give them more time than that, you're probably going to figure right. out whether they need to have a boundary drawn or not. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I'll say that for me, because I hear in this question something that I think I, I really struggled with. Uh, for years in my life was that this whole idea of when I give, I want to make sure that my gift will not be wasted. I want to make sure that my gift is not going to uh, go to a person who doesn't truly need it. And so I'll say this, the, the thing that got me that I got hung up on that I finally had to get over was that, the more time i spend trying to uh, control the outcome of the gifts that i give to those in need it really just continues to perpetuate a sense in me that i this is this is my stuff
2: mm-hmm.
0: and um it it got real clear to me along the way that If I want to stay in that mindset, I am probably never going to develop my heart into the generous heart that I know God has for me. Mm -hmm. And so then that way, I don't think I will ever be truly mirroring God in my Mm -hmm. own life, which is what I want to be. I want to be formed into the image of Christ. And you could make a case that much of the love and grace and gifts given to us through Christ have been, quote, unquote, wasted. yeah, mm, True. Right? Mm-hmm. And so if that's the standard, then even Jesus didn't live up to that standard. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I, it finally got clear to me of, well, and, and, and I, I wouldn't go so far as say, well, I'm just going to give indiscriminately. I think what Ed said is also true. Boundaries are important. But at the same time, I have to do some real hard soul searching in my own heart and find out when I see someone and they seem to be in need, mm-hmm. what happens in me? Mm-hmm. Do I immediately start to go, well, I don't know. Let's figure this out. And or is my heart turned towards them so that I can love them? Mm-hmm. What, does, do I ask the question, what does love require of me right now? Or do I say, what's the least that I can do? Or let me, let me justify what mm-hmm. I'm about to do. To make sure that I'm in control of everything that's right and and I found that to be not a place that I wanted to end up spiritually, and it just didn't seem to it just didn't seem to fit in line with what Jesus was like
2: mm-hmm.
0: so yeah, for me that had to get I out think of that. that's a good point. We give because of who God is, not because yes. of who this person
2: is, right that's right um I also think an important thing for us to kind of I was trying to think about this because I'm just trying to think practically for the person how this works out. I think Ed's already answered the part about if it's a family member. um, Enabling looks different when it's a family member and when it's someone on the street. You have
1: to know somebody's story to enable them.
0: Yes. Me
1: giving giving a person who is an active drug user on the street, if I take them and get them something to eat, I haven't enabled their lifestyle. Well, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not around long enough to well, enable them. The truth is if I have a
2: child who's a drug addict and I also give them a meal, I'm not enabling them. There's a difference. There's a difference when most people mean enabling, they're meaning I let you move back into the home and I support you while you're still mm-hmm. actively using. That is a different level that you're not going to do for a person on the street, but you would do for a child. So if that's what you talking about, I think we've already talked about that. that that's a different level, but like, even that child, to say, hey, I, I I don't want you to starve to death, so I'm going to give you a meal. That's right. That isn't, that isn't a form of enablement like other things might be. So I would say we live in such, our world is different than Jesus' world insofar as, and I talk about our world, I'm talking about Coweta County, uh, Georgia. I can't speak to other places, but where we are at is different in as far as how much we interact with people below the poverty line Mm -hmm. or who are houseless or any, you know, different thing that we would call, I need to do acts of charity for this person. You know, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, when you give alms to the poor, when you do this for the poor, but they're poor. I mean, think of more like, uh, you mentioned Haiti in the last episode. Think of places like a populated area in Haiti or in India where you see, there's just, I mean, it's everywhere on the street corners, people who are I mean, sick and homeless and in need. Jesus is talking about in these small communities, when when you see these people and you're seeing them all the time, this is how to interact. We're in a different thing, and this isn't to to lessen anything. What I'm saying is, is, most of us live in such a world, we have carefully crafted our lives to such a place where I don't have to be around anyone who's poor if I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have to pass them on the street in Atlanta, but even in Coweta County, I'm very rarely going to see you. I might see you while I'm in the safety of my car and I lock my doors when you're standing at the Walmart thing, you know, asking for help and you and they, and they you have a sign, but I don't really have to interact. With, that's not an interaction. Seeing someone and explaining to my kids, why does that person have a sign? That's not an interaction with that person. Mm-hmm. So all of that to say, Uh, I would say to someone, our instruction to take care of the poor still applies today. Mm -hmm. So what I would encourage you to do, if you're very concerned about enabling someone, I would go get involved with a ministry where they are actively bridging the gap here in Coweta County. Or even we know, because many people, you mentioned addiction, Coweta Coweta Force, Force, where they are helping people who are in addiction and often because of that have lost jobs or lost Mm -hmm. things. Get involved with an organization that is doing something. Get to know some people, Mm -hmm. get to know their stories, do what you can for them. Uh, I think it will change your perspective. It will be closer to the world Jesus lived in where they might've known. I think about the stories where a guy's been uh, paralyzed his whole life. Jesus tells him, pick up your mat and go. And the whole town is like, that's the dude. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know the poor guy standing on the street and everyone in town would. It's a different world. If you get involved with some people and see the mess
1: of their life, it may... Open your heart more to this compassion. Well, and I would say it's different even than I've had people say to me, but I do know the stories because my brother is like that. Right. And it's different. Right. It's different with your brother that you know all the stories and you've watched him take advantage of your parents. And honestly, your parents enable it and mm-hmm. you can't really blame them. You, you know, so you have all that or you do blame them, all of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about get involved with a person you don't know and you don't know all the background. And and again, do what we're often called to do, which is just care enough to listen. You don't even have to do anything else. I mean, listen to them, listen to God. And it just starts with opening your life up to the fact, I have a responsibility. I've been given so much. That's the... And, I come back to that. You said this a minute ago about beginning to think it belongs to me. Mm -hmm. If I can continue to remind myself that this thing we say of I've been blessed, you got to really buy that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to really buy into I have been given. I did not earn. Mm -hmm. And and if you get that, then you get if I've been given, I have a responsibility. And it's not just a tithe. I, you know, uh, there was a long time I hated giving and all of that. And I just had some great people in my life that just began to disciple me to be around like y'all have talked about. And then I had a guy at one point say, you should just carry it around some money and not, not a part of your tithe to God, some money that you can afford that, you know, you're not going to use in any way, but to give away, you're just going to give mm-hmm. it away. You're going to walk around and ask God, who should I give this to that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who should I give this to? And you get the joy of God putting you on assignment.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, all of a
1: sudden you're somewhere and somebody needs some money and you already had it. Yeah. We, and you can't use it for yourself. You are, it's the part of the uh, the person that explained it to me. It's the person that owned the field in the Old Testament. And God said, don't cut the corners of your field. Yep. Wasn't a part of their tithe. It's just part of, that's the way God said, it. leave that for the poor. Just mm-hmm. leave that for the poor. So if you really care about this, you can't make it so personal of I know this situation where it goes bad. I do too. Yeah, I, I know I mean, I know situations where people have taken advantage of stuff. Okay,, that's the way that is. My goodness, it puts me in good company with God. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. A, there ain't any of us talking that haven't taken advantage of God. Mm. Yes So mm. yeah. I just think
0: you've got to be real careful, and it goes back to what I said earlier, to just be real careful. When you're asking questions like this, why, why am I so concerned about being manipulated, taken advantage of, or the other person wasting my gift? I'm not saying we should be, uh, we shouldn't have judgment, oh, sure. And, and I think we've said that very clearly. I'm, but at the same time, it says something about me when that's all I can think about when I think about giving to the poor. Right. Well, and is, I do, What well, are they going to do? And is it going to be mis, mis, misrepar- or misused?
2: And we now know, because once again, it's just a different world that we live in. We now have organizations that are set up mm-hmm. to help people in need. Here's, here's what I, I frequently try to do is I think often we think, when we think of giving to the poor, we think in terms of I'm seeing someone on the street, mm-hmm. should I give them the 50 bucks? The truth is, there are more poor in our county that are working poor as well. Yes, cool. That are not that are not houseless. You know, people. Some people. Or they my, are
1: working poor that are houseless. Or working poor that, mean, that are now houseless. Now that we've opened the, the emergency shelter here, one of the people that has been every time we've been open is a person that's serving some of you in Kroger. Mm-hmm. They work every day at Kroger and live in their car, except when there's a shelter open that will allow them a the place to sleep inside. They work every day.
2: And so you see these kind of things where we go, there are these things, and we know, and I I, I hear this when people talk about giving, well, what's it really going to do? it's going to give them one meal, it's going to do this. Mm-hmm. So this is why I would really encourage you is I would start giving the majority that you're going to give. Obviously, we as a church give to these organizations, but you say, above my tithe, like Ed said, this extra money just start saying, hey I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a different That was one thing my wife and we did it with our kids because we wanted to instill this in our kids. We all picked a different organization throughout the year and every month we said, hey, we're gonna give a large lump sum to this to this organization and then we're gonna pray for those people every day throughout the throughout the month and it was a great thing for us as a family to just do. but it would help you to be able. And then if you can give to because we gave to several local organizations here, and then I can say to somebody when I meet them and they say, say, hey, I don't mind. Yeah, I can give you 20 bucks for this. But have you heard of Bridge in the Gap? Mm-hmm. Do you know about Coweta Force? Can I help you? Because they're going to have resources and they have people who their entire job is just to sit and help you figure out what's next for you, and it allows you to also not have that thing. That I think all of us feel that little bit of guilt every time someone asks, and I don't have the money, and I go, oh, I right. must be a bad Christian because I don't have any cash to help this person. It allows you to go, no, I have been caring for the poor, and maybe the best thing I can do for this person who's poor is have a conversation with yes, them. that's right. And to help help get them where they need to go. Um, well, I, I have, and I
1: don't... <laughs> Not everybody will know this little song, but I, when I have spent the money, and I don't do that anymore, I just have budgeted in my life now that I'm going to give when I, when I feel led by the Lord to do it with people. Uh, when I'm asked by somebody that I don't have the money at that point to give, I sing in my head, silver and gold have I none, mm-hmm. <laughs> but such as I have, give I thee. <laughs> and so I pray for them right on the spot. Mm. Uh, they asked me, and I said, Man, I don't I don't have anything to give you, but I, I'm a Christian. I'd be happy to pray for you if that's okay with you. Yeah. And if it's not, when they when they say, Oh no, man, I was hoping some money, I go, okay. And then when I get back in my truck, I pray for them anyway. That's right.
2: <laughs> well, we know as a as a church, we've read this book now a few times together. Uh, but there's this book called When Helping Hurts. Yes. And the whole point behind it and several missions organizations, charitable organizations have now really kind of used this as their motivating thing, that there is a way in just giving, hey, I'm just gonna dump money at your feet. It it, and we use, the, and it is enabling, it enables bad mm, behavior, it but it also keeps people stuck. Good hearted people who have good intentions to help themselves, help them, have, help their families, but don't have all either the knowledge they need or the additional kind of support and resources relationally that they need. Because I thought this, a person I met recently, um, one of the things we did as as our families will go and we go with some friends from church, and we give breakfast out at uh, Bridge in the Gap where they give uh, groceries to people in the United. I'm standing there with two of my daughters, and we're talking to this older man. He's 65 years old, had worked. Uh, he's still trying to get back and get worked. He had retired, um, and uh, after um, the Noonan tornado, a lot of the people who were living in rented homes at that point Uh, when the insurance paid out the landlord, he could build a much nicer home that he could charge extra money. This guy uh, and his wife, I think they were somewhere 65, 70, uh, they're living in their car in the woods and his wife has, you know, a disease and he's just crying as we're sitting and me and my, and then, you know, my daughters are hugging him and we're praying for him and we're having this whole thing. And I realized for him, you know, there are a lot of people I know in our church, and I know you may hear that story and go, well, if he'd managed his money better, he could have had a better thing. There are a lot of people I know personally. I have some people in my life that are very close to me. And you know, we're doing a rock solid financial course. And I thought, I need to, this person doesn't go to our church. And I thought, they need to come and do this thing because they are living in very nice house and they have some stuff. They have not managed their money well, but because of relational support, they had a person in their life who they were related to who died and left them some money that covered a bunch of debts. Mm -hmm. That's relational support that we take for granted, that Mm -hmm. not everyone has that. And so there's a lot of different things and a lot of different networks um, that we know it takes all of that to support a person. And so we also as a church, when we're helping with organizations and stuff, we're not coming in saying, hey, we want to enable everyone and do this. There may require more support than you personally can give. So my, my, my urging to you would be, when you see us as a church involved in something, are you helping at Christmas in Coweta? Are you getting involved with all the different things that we do? Have you gotten involved with any of these organizations we support? Those would be my encouragement to anyone who's trying to figure out. Jesus' goal was not that you personally would rescue a poor person. No. His his goal was that you would become the kind of person, as Jason's already said, that your heart would be moved in compassion and that you would learn this money isn't for me. There's an upcoming sermon that I've already been kind of thinking about. And there's a, um ancient um, uh, church father from the fourth century who wrote, and I can't remember whose name it is. I'll find it later and say, but I wrote it down because I thought we need to use this at some point. He said, what do you call a person who steals from another person? You call them a thief. And he says... Well, those clothes in your closet do not belong to you. Mm -hmm. He goes, the extra clothes in your closet, they were meant for the poor. And the shoes on your feet that you don't wear anymore, they were also meant for the poor. And the money that you've hoarded up somewhere else, it was not meant for you. So what should we call that person, he wrote to the early church. And Mm -hmm. I thought, man, that is powerful words. Those of us who have more than we need, as John the Baptist said, Mm -hmm. if you have two shirts and someone's got zero shirts... That one of those shirts belongs to someone else, and we look at it and we go, "Man, that that belongs to me," and it all belongs to me. I think those are heavy words, and obviously they're poetic. And before you want to get into land rights and property rights and how that goes. Are you a communist, Nathan? Well, well that's that's another. One. I think it's Oscar Romero said that. He said, "When I feed the poor, everyone calls me a saint. When I ask why they're poor in the first place, they call me a communist." <laughs> And all of this is a part of what Jesus has called us to do Mm -hmm. is to be the kind of people who say, none of this stuff was mine. It belongs to God. And what is God doing with his resources? And he is showering them on people at the time.
0: You you mentioned the financial course that um, as we're taping this, it will have already happened by the time this drops. But the very first uh, thing that we're going to be doing in that course is uh, it's listing out all of our possessions and then I'm going to be challenging everyone in the in the course to sign at the bottom uh, away your rights to it that's good because it it start and the point of the whole seminar is you have to start with this premise that I'm a steward of my right possessions. exactly I, this does not belong to me it was given for a time I am using it for a time how am I using it and it's just a symbolic thing of like you said my stuff doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. It was given to me. And that changes your mindset. Yeah. It changes the way you look at not only your own stuff, but everybody else that you come in contact with.
2: Jason, the thing I love about that is I think it's practical for even the majority of, of us is to just begin there mm-hmm. is by praying it. I would mentioned the thing about every month we gave to a different organization, but part of that was I'd started... Anything that was not a need in our life, groceries, uh, our mortgage payment, gas for the car, these things that we need, luxury, even going out to eat, mm-hmm. going to do this. My my wife and my kids and I, before we would sit down or we'd sit down at the meal or we'd go to the movies, we would sit and pray and we'd say, God, we know you gave us all this money anyway. We are, we are thanking you for the fact that occasionally we get to use this money for extra stuff for us that we didn't even need. What a blessing that is. Help us to remember this though, next time that maybe the next time we want to go to the movies or the next time we're going to do this, maybe we could be grateful for this time and use some of that money for something else. And that was it. We would start mm-hmm. saying, Hey, we're going to take some of the money we would use to go to the movies or some mm-hmm. of this. And it becomes a part of, I, for me, for my children, I was hoping to train them in seeing, Movies aren't a luxury, yeah.
1: which is... Well, God's okay with it. I mean, you can't sure, read all of the absolutely. scripture to get Sure, that. It is all given to me. It's all a gift. But, you know, Paul's real clear. Some of it God gives for our enjoyment. Oh, absolutely. There is for our enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, we have, to, we have to understand that too. Yeah. But it does still all belong to him. That's right. Mm-hmm. I think the line for me as it comes
0: over is there's a line between feeling guilty and then becoming a generous person. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because I I hear what you're saying, and and many times it has driven me to every time I spend money on myself for something I, I feel adore, guilty. I sure. feel guilty about it. Well, that's not the heart of God mm-hmm. either. No. So it's it's coming to that place where, like you said, when I do set aside specific money and time and effort that I will invest and give and allow God to use that. But then I also have the part that I get to enjoy too. That's right. And figuring out where where generosity lies for me. I think right? and I think beginning all beginning
2: and ending all of that with prayer. Yes. And covering it because there becomes the point where uh, the luxury part mm-hmm. becomes well that's mine.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right.
2: And realizing yeah. that was a gift too. It was. And that was the thing we would say all the time is mm-hmm. thank you for allowing us to use this mm-hmm. in this way yep. because it wasn't mine. I want to live from a place of gratitude. Mm-hmm. I want to live from a place that I don't feel guilty about spending. I'm thankful. Yes. But there becomes a way I stop being thankful and I start becoming entitled. There you go. Yeah. Who's to tell me I can't go seven times? Who's to tell me I can't go nine? Who's to tell me I can't go this mm-hmm. much? Because that's mine. That's right. I want to be grateful for what I do have. Yes.
1: Back when I was young and you know, a smart aleck. <laughs> you know, now, I'm Back old. Then. now I'm old uh-huh. in that way. When people would say I can't afford to tithe, I said, "Well, then you should start praying that God will reduce your income to where you can afford it."
2: Mm. Nice, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, maybe if you got down to where you only made hundred dollars a week, could you afford to give ten? Mm. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> if you can't afford to give a thousand that you make, mm-hmm. maybe you need to make less. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're such a smart aleck. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. So snarky. <laughs> That's
1: right.
0: <laughs> well, I hope we cleared that up. Uh, but I appreciate the question because like uh, I think we all said at the beginning, um, this that is a question that comes up very frequently when we talk about this topic. Um, it was great to be able to clarify that and hopefully give some direction uh, to you. I hope that helps. Uh, if not, send us more. We would love to talk more and get even more clear if we're not. So uh, I don't remember what next week is. But We have a question. We that's do all have we have a quit- you know what? I think I have it. Let me look. I right think away. it's about
1: who's going to coach the Falcons. Mm. Uh, well, <laughs> that's a mystery no <laughs> one.
0: Ah, someone wants us to clarify something we said in episode 200. Oh, it's another clarifying. About being theologically conservative,
1: <laughs> which we are Said not we were. Or not. We're not. There
0: are some people who are more theologically conservative. Oh, yeah. No so... All I right. think that was the question. That's the question. All right. So we will get into that next week, whenever that is. Okay. I think we're done taping for this. Yeah, for over. today. I but think it'll be today. next week
1: for them. I for think them, it'll be next I week. I Charlie's already edited this part out. Maybe. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> God bless him.
0: <laughs> All right. So we'll see you next time.